Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsViews.com, and I'm in the studio today with Amy Austin, SelfishMom.com. Andrea is not with us today. She's such a slacker. <laughs> She's on home. So we have a special guest joining us today, Abby West, who actually was on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. I was, I Last was. year. Um, and now you are back as journalist, content strategist, TV expert. I feel like we should do a TV yeah, segment. I know. We definitely, Ooh. we talked about this the last time. We I really know. have to do a I actually TV think we should expert. do a TV podcast, but that's an issue for off off the mic. We will talk about what we will do, especially since Orphan Black is coming back. And I was like, oh my God, Abby's coming on. Orphan <laughs> Black is coming back. This is so perfect. Yes. Um, so we're going to tackle two subjects today, and one of the reasons I asked Abby to be here, other than I just wanted you to come back in because it had been way too long. And I missed you. I know. It's been way too long. So is that your son? I can't believe this, because then I thought, have I known you that long? Like, that's so weird. Mm-hmm. Your son's going to college. It's a crazy, crazy thing. It is hard for me to wrap my brain around. Oh, my God. It's crazy. And you wrote a really lovely blog post about it, and... We're going to talk about that. And Amy, you're just a few years off, which is unbelievable. Yeah, also. not far at all. My son's a freshman. Wow. Right. He was like four feet tall. <laughs> I mean, when I met him. like When you met him, he was like a little baby man. It was yeah. like eight years ago. Wow. Um, so, and my daughter's starting high school. So I can't believe how quickly college comes up. And then you have your daughter, Abby, mm-hmm. going. I mean, I that's, a, yeah, she's a sophomore. She's next. So, yeah. wow. <laughs> and now you are an expert. Um, and then our second topic today is an article in The Atlantic called No Spanking, No Time Out, No Problems, which... Yeah. <laughs> the most we've got high, some thoughts. We've got thoughts <laughs> on, on somebody writing this who obviously doesn't have children. Um, <laughs> so let's jump right into our first topic. Let's talk about college. And I feel like mm. this is the time right? every kid found out last week for good. Like, I feel like yes. this trailed on. When I applied to college, you found out April 15th. Like, unless you did early decision, there was right. no, like, early action, da-da-da, rolling this, rolling. It was just, like, April 15th, that letter came in the mail, fat. Wait, are ripping. you making that stuff up? Does that exist? Oh, yeah. I swear to God, that's what that's it was. That's the thing that oh, happens my- now. God. Now, I don't know anything about this. Now it goes on forever. Kids mm-hmm. start finding out in October, and then some kids find out again in December, and then some kids... It's I, rolling. Yeah. And it's, there's rolling deadlines, and yeah. there's every... Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. Why. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Just to, to, to hurt us, to pain us? I'm not sure. And then there's the common application. Mm-hmm. So I read a really good article last night, actually, about how deceptive these admission rates are because of the common application kids just apply to every school now so they like to say we only take four percent but actually it's the sa- they're accepting the same number of kids for the same number of spots it's just because it's so easy to apply everywhere with a push of a button mm-hmm. that's what kids are doing mm-hmm. whether they really are whether they should be applying to that school whether they shouldn't they're just like why not I'll does it not cost it. money to apply to each school I thought it, it, it does. Oh, it but does. they don't care. But if they... you have the common app, it doesn't. Or you're going by that. You paid it once. Or, you pay it once, and right? That's it. Oh. At certain other schools, if you have to do their specific um, application, then you do have to do the additional fees. But I have like two and a half years to learn all of this. No, I don't. My son I was can learn say, it. Yeah, no, he can I, not for nothing. I didn't, and that's part of the thing. So it yeah. ties into my bite for later. But there's a lot that you know your kid is doing so much of this on their own he luckily my son is the type who will like mm-hmm. he's very self-motivated and he knows that i'm not going to do this crap so he 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 knows that he's responsible I for feel it like the schools the high schools have also become 
so much more equipped and this has become their job mm-hmm. actually and a lot of them have someone specifically for that job like when I was growing up it was like the guidance counselor yeah and he sort of did all the other crap too right and then it came to college and he would like look at your transcript and be like I don't know maybe apply to these four schools and you're like all right see ya like he had no idea who I was I was <laughs> just a number on a transcript mm-hmm. he told me I should look at Catholic University which is one of my favorite stories of all time I'm like did you see why? my name on the transcript because <laughs> <Like, laughs> it had a good theater program and the only thing he saw the only extracurricular I did was sing which is this big musical thing we have in New York which doesn't exist anywhere else like that's you (laughs) that was your life yeah he was like so you should look at Catholic University I was like my name is Rebecca Sarah Levy. Like, I don't even know. Maybe I'd get in for diversity. I don't know. My, my I don't hus- think that's on my list. My husband grew up Muslim and went to a Jesuit high school. Right. So mm-hmm. it happens. It does. But it was a very strange suggestion. No, I just like, it's like, Based it's like a, back when they had cribs and they were like, oh, you like clowns. We're going to make you a clown car. Right. Like, you, know, like, <laughs> you did theater. You should go study theater in, yeah, anywhere. Right. right. Maybe I don't even want to do that. But yeah, so now I feel like high schools are on it. Like, it is a huge bragging right for them. They mm-hmm. put up those lists of where everyone got in. They oh, have yeah, a when guidance we did, counselor who just does that. When we did high school tours, there would be like huge posters with, mm-hmm. you know, showing where all the kids were going to college mm-hmm. and all of that and they would really highlight that. Right. And just realizing what a big part of the high school tour that was. Which yeah. is weird because your kid is spending you. four years in high school. It's yeah. not a short time. Mm-hmm. So like that's, that's their first real community, on. like in a different way, in like a semi adult way. So what surprised you about this whole college process? See, you know, I for me it's more the emotional preparedness part. You know, yes, you're you're trained from the minute you start looking at high schools about all the things you need to think about and their um, academics and their transcripts and getting them ready to get into college and the process of it. That's all good when you're actually about to send a semi-adult human being out into the world. You're really like, it's that last minute of like, okay, have I told them everything? Do they know everything they need to know? And do I feel like I am ready for this. Like it's I know it's not supposed to be about you. That's totally but it's about, about you. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's about me because you know, it's especially your firstborn. You're sitting there going, I literally remember taking you home and going, someone's letting me leave the hospital with a baby. God, that, are they crazy? That fits in your forearm. Mm-hmm. Like you're holding up your arm right now. That is yeah, exactly was, what they that, fit, that, right? That was how he, <laughs> you know, that's how I got him to sleep for the first couple of days. And the idea, you know, sitting there, I remember the first night going, oh my God, this is going to last, like, I'm responsible for him forever. And that sinking in and that kid who now bends down and kisses me on my forehead <laughs> is going to go away. I mean, he's going to go to a small SUNY college oh, five hours away, and um, he loves the campus. He owned the entire experience of, like, picking out the school and all of his applications. Wouldn't even let me read his essay, which was wow. as an editor. You're a writer and an editor. Wait, <laughs> I went to a small SUNY college, and I don't think I even had to write an essay back when I did that application. Oh, I definitely didn't. The SUNY application was no. a checkbox. Yeah, yeah, and you paid $25 per college that you wanted to apply to, and that was it. <laughs> Yeah, they make it, you know, a little more interesting to get to do it. But it was um, it was definitely an experience to have him own that process. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think this is a thinking about who that kid is that you're sending out into the world. And, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily different boys versus girls. But with boys, as a mother of a boy, I, I think about it even more, you know, as a feminist mother <laughs> talking to him about, you know, sex and um, drugs. You know, these are conversations you have, hopefully, when they're in high school as well. You know, right. They have to 
acknowledge the reality of the world, not just the way that you want them to play out. Um, you tell them things, you know, I think the first time I had to acknowledge this was when I had to say, well, you know, I don't think you should be having sex, but here's a box of condoms right. because I don't want to be a grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're ready at all, but. <laughs> right. But what am I going to do? And yeah. Not prepare you in case you do. And I, and think- I struggled with that because I didn't want it to be like it was, you know, me giving you permission. Right. And, and as a single mom, it was your job. Like that kind of sucks. In my house, you would think it would be my husband's job, but I'm the one more likely to talk do about it. that stuff. And can I tell you how much my son does not want to hear about sex from his mother? (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more, Mom. He would rather die a thousand times. But, like, to get my husband to do this stuff consistently, it's just not happening. Mm -hmm. So, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that whole idea, you know, even when you have those talks with them in high school, they come home at the end of the night to you. Mm-hmm. So if they did drink, if they did smoke pot, if they, you are going to exactly. see it. You're yeah. going to know. Mm-hmm. That's what's so scary about college is exactly. you really, oh God. really have no idea. They're oh, just, my God. I didn't think know. of that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong. You don't know. Right. Um, and you're, you're setting them up and thinking, I've done what I can do. And you're going to be fine, and you're going to make these mistakes, and I cannot catch you from them. And that wrapping your brain around the fact that you really can't catch every mistake after that, it's a little hard. It's yeah. so hard, too, because I think you think of yourself um, in college or just in, in life. Like in, We talk about this with high school. You know what you did, what you got away with, what you were thankful looking back that you got not even just like pulled one over on your parents but just stupid things you did that you're like I can't believe we weren't killed and there wasn't any Facebook and there wasn't pictures (laughs) and there were no digital pictures right and it's funny because I wonder if and maybe you can speak when you visit colleges if they speak about job readiness the same way high schools talk about college readiness they do and it's kind of sad in some ways because and I understand like it's a huge investment they want you to feel like you're gonna get your quote-unquote money worth but like Every stage of my kid's life now feels like it's just preparation for the next stage instead mm-hmm. of in the moment mm-hmm. of what they're doing. Yeah. Like high school becomes all about like what you're doing so you can get into college. College becomes what you're doing so you can get a job. I don't know. Like you're that's four years is a big chunk of your life to spend. Like you should be thinking about what that experience is while you're there, not necessarily because you have your eye on the prize and you get out. Because for a lot of us, I don't know how many of us are doing what we thought we would do when we were in college. I certainly didn't end up at the college I thought I was going to when I started high school, if I thought about it at all. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, I don't know, like what happened to like education for the sake of education? <laughs> because you just mm-hmm. need those skills because you don't even know what jobs they are going to exist. Right? They said like mm-hmm. 80% of the jobs that will exist haven't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. So, right? There was no internet when I was in common to date myself. No internet. <laughs> no social, Forget social media. There certainly wasn't social media. And like, here I am. That's how I make my living is on the internet, right? And I guess most all of us in this room, it mm-hmm. all transitioned. If, when, if we were in print journalism yeah. at the beginning, it all transitioned online. And um, and even sitting here in the studio doing a podcast as opposed to a radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, your kids can't fully be prepared for the job market if they're just playing that game, right. you know? I mean, there's there's the idea of them being prepared with different skill sets and, and moving forward so that they can transition and, you know, be flexible enough to try something different. But I think it's absolutely essential that they think about being in the job market, regardless of what field it is, 
and being um, viewed as a professional down the line. Because even if they're there for four years, but within two years, they're looking for really good internships. Right. And they have to not have the, like, taking shots photo that's on <laughs> that's on the Internet as soon as they pull, someone pulls up their name. And that's a really important thing for them to keep in mind. Um, you know, there are a lot of – I was talking to a friend who teaches at uh, – Fairfield University and just you know they had a kerfuffle a couple of months ago about some of the the um, parties that they were having that were you know themed around like races and and lovely you know my conversation with her is you know and the school handled it the way they needed to handle it but the idea that these kids that you forget that college is so isolated that they don't think about the outside world necessarily mm-hmm. and the fact that there will be ramifications for something that is stupid yes you're 18 to 22, you're going to do a lot of stupid things because that's just the way it is. Um, in a particularly PC world, it's hard to see them make stupid um, lack of judgment things yeah. in that realm. But there should be a space for uh, forgiveness or, or yeah. for learning. You know, it shouldn't be documented that in a way that should never. Anymore. Yeah, like, it doesn't exist. Like, you know, I, these kids should not be excoriated and, and eliminated from any potential earning future ever. Right. You know, you need a little time to show some some actual experience before that can happen. So that's the only thing that I feel like they really do need to teach them how to, you know, keep themselves out of trouble in that permanent space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess in general, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, hopefully it does give you pause before you do something stupid that maybe would have been done in the past that gives you pause. It doesn't seem to, mm-hmm. but maybe it would. That's like a crazy other thing that our generation of parents has to deal with that no other generation had to deal with. We always think about what the kids have to deal with, but mm-hmm. as a parent, like as if you need a new worry when mm-hmm. you send your child out into the world, that one, that they're stupid on social media is seems like an undue burden on us. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried like they can't do their laundry. <laughs> They'll yeah. never wake up in the morning. The practical classes, stuff. The practical stuff that they really are going to have to figure out. And they will. And that's the thing, they will. Or they'll eat ramen every day. Right. You or know, buy new underwear. That's what my right. friend did. She always went over and just bought another pack of underwear. She's Makes like, sense kind of like doing to laundry. me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. If I could, I absolutely would. <laughs> but you wrote a really, really great yeah, post about this. I read it actually on the way here. And I teared up towards the end. So we'll, well I'm we'll, all kinds of verklempt. I am so verklempt <laughs> over this. <laughs> now I'm like getting verklempt and coughing. Um it, we'll we'll link to that article because it was it was really sweet about the emotional trauma that you're going through thinking about your son leaving for college. Yeah, and I think it cuts to the core of um, what's really important about that moment. Like we worry about that nitty gritty stuff, but at the end of the day, it is all about you <laughs> and how hard it's going to be. And I guess also like looking forward to the next chapter in your own life as a parent. I guess it's it can be exciting too mm-hmm. to see your kids embarking on that and knowing that like you could kind of do the same thing. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll be right back to talk about um, (laughs) not disciplining your kids so that they can do lots of stupid things. (laughs) Never feel any percussions when we come back. So we are back with this article in the Atlantic. So I have to say that I came to this article in the Atlantic through a critical article on Slate about how stupid this article was. <laughs> so you, you already had your <laughs> yes, angle you before you up. read it. So as I'm reading that, I'm like, what are they talking about? Because, of course, they had the better sort of clickbait headline mm-hmm. of, like, don't discipline your kids and they'll be perfect. And I was like, uh, what? And I say, what, though? I've been having this discussion with my husband. Um, 
my daughters will be 14 next month and they've had their first like hanging out at night with their friends at somebody's house and I should preface it by saying it's with their model UN friends after model UN so it, wow. this wasn't like a so rager it yeah, exactly yes. Turned um, up. it's like exactly how you want your children to be <laughs> hanging out but my daughter's curfew was 11 which I thought was incredibly generous and yeah, not incredibly. quite 14 right and I'm not judging I'm like that, that right? is that really was a good, good yeah. I thought mine was mm-hmm. 10 when I was that age um, granted I really was hanging out on the street but <laughs> <laughs> or in Prospect Park where we shouldn't have been in the 80s in New York but um, okay and at 10 to 11 I get the phone call please please can I stay till 11 15 uh, please please and I'm like no like you have first of all you should have been in a cab already because mm-hmm. it's home right. by 11 means like if you said no 11. they're not right. home by they're 11 still not home at 11 and yeah. then I'm like well what the hell is the punishment because mm. she doesn't go out every weekend I can't ground her um, I'm happy she's actually hanging out with friends you know and I, and I did feel bad like it was her last night at Model UN they were celebrating but that was what it was mm-hmm. and I really, then I was like, I have zero leverage. I mm. don't know, other than saying, like, I'm really disappointed. This is the first time you've done that. Now I can't trust you the next time. What could I take away from her? Like, they don't watch TV. I could take her phone away from her, but the truth is I need her to have her stupid phone, right. and yeah. she knows There's it. That. And does do you need to take anything from her? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think by default I ended up being this no discipline. <laughs> well, it's so I, much I easier when they're, when they're younger to mm-hmm. discipline them because you control everything when they're five right absolutely yeah now i think um i don't think you ended up like that i think you were following what we all know is that you parent different kids differently you do they're you they they respond to different um discipline they respond Mm -hmm. to different incentives they respond differently to different things and you know i've got two kids one and i will not say which is which (laughs) one who you know very on um what is it, normative behavior, (laughs) and the other who who, who is pushing every single button possible, everything, like acting out in ways, and I acted out. I had a childhood, and they are acting out. So they respond to different incentives. They respond to different discipline. You know, taking away your daughter's phone. It's just not practical in 2016. She also may be the kid who goes, I'm disappointed. You say, I'm disappointing. She's like, oh, my God, I'm never going to do that again because your disappointment means as much or more than, you know, a different kind of punishment. So I I can't wrap my brain around not giving any sort of discipline. It just doesn't have to be like the same, like go stand in the corner. It doesn't have to be this. It's something that needs to be, I like cause and effect discipline. Well, I mean, this article... Talk, it did. We should talk, talk about it. A little yeah, bit. let's talk about the article a little bit because it's stupid. So, this is <laughs> <laughs> so it's written by Olga Kazan, but it's actually um, based on it. It's an interview with Alan Kasdan. So sounds from Kazan Kasdan is very hard different to people. follow, and he's mm-hmm. director of the Yale Parenting Center. So he's he's got credentials. He's not like some wackadoo, you know, doctor first name. Um, he's he's an actual. He has studied thousands of parents and thousands of kids, and he certainly is speaking more about younger kids mm-hmm. because that tends to be when we're trying timeouts, right. when we're trying to modify behavior. And his whole thing is parents always react, and he's right, after the behavior happens rather than trying to preempt the behavior from occurring in the first place. And I think what he's calling for is such 
proactive, exhausting parenting. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's not exhausting on the other end when you don't do it and then you're just yelling and screaming. It is exhausting too. But but in order to use this method, you really have to be watching your kid all the time, waiting for these behaviors. All the time, because you're supposed to incentivize the good part before the bad happens. Like you are watching your kid. God, I can't, it sounded so overwhelmingly exhausting. And it also seems to, you know, it's it's parenting in some perfect bubble world yes. that doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, because it's like, not how we work. what happens if your kid does something at school and then you need to deal with it later? Or yeah. he was saying how timeouts don't even work because all you're doing is removing your kid from the situation, but you're not correcting what led to that behavior that led to the timeout in the first place. Yeah, except that goes back to what Abby said about parenting different kids differently because my son hated timeouts so much that it was really effective with him. My mm -hmm. daughter, she didn't care. She was yeah. happy to sit in the corner quietly. So, you know, it you can't just paint all kids with the same brush like that. I mm -hmm. know, but I have to say, it's hard for me to read this article and not feel bad because I will say I didn't have those kids. I didn't have kids who had f on the floor oh, I kicking me, screaming, mm. temper tantrums. I didn't have that. So I, you know, I don't, I don't even remember my kids. I and mean, they were twins too, so they were always like had each other mm -hmm. and they played. But they didn't never did anything that required, one time one of them bit the other. That was it. But there was <laughs> Just not, one like, time? Yeah, <laughs> just one and really hard. <laughs> she really bit her because she wasn't paying attention to her and she was like, you're going to pay attention to me and she bit her. But I don't know. She was like two, and she was so freaked out that she had done it. And her sisters were crying, and like that she never did it again. No, my son was a terror when he was a little <laughs> kid. Seriously, he was like the easiest baby in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere around like one, one and a half, it all changed, and he was a nightmare. And if I had used these methods on him, I think that he would still be hitting everyone and not, you know, being able to sit in restaurants. Like we just we swooped in, we hit it hard. Not literally. We did not hit him. Um, we, you know, we, we put it on project status, as we used to say, which I think was a Dr. Phil thing. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and we would just, we would really focus on the behavior that we needed to end. We would focus on it w like a laser for a couple of weeks. And it was exhausting. But it was exhausting for two weeks. And then it was done. But did you stop the behavior from happening or were you reacting no, to we the were, behavior? No, we you had to react every to the time behavior. It happened? What we would do is like the hitting was a big thing. It was becoming a big problem in school when he was in pre-K. Oh, was he was four. hitting other kids? Hitting other kids all the time. He was really late to talk mm -hmm. and he still at that age had trouble finding words. So he would just hit because it was quicker and easier. So when it became a really big problem in school, we said, okay, we need to solve this before kindergarten. So that summer... What I did was every time he hit somebody on the playground, in a playgroup, whatever, I literally just picked him up like a football and walked him home. Didn't matter what we were doing, didn't matter what the situation was, didn't matter if we had just gotten there two minutes beforehand. He was just removed from the situation and he got it. Took a couple of weeks, but he got it. He didn't want everything to end mm -hmm. just because he had hit somebody. Right. It worked. It's interesting. I mean, it is kind of similar to what he's saying, right? Like you didn't start screaming at him. You that is true. You know, you didn't escalate the situation. Yeah, we tried to stay as, stay as unemotional as possible. Right. That was that a key. That is the difficult and part. And that is yeah. the difficult part. And I think he does kind of touch on that. And he also says, like, talk is cheap, which I, I totally agree mm -hmm. that this whole, even if you tell a smoker, like, smoking's bad for you. He's saying, like, it doesn't work to sit there and reason with your two-year-old. Yeah. No. 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 But I feel or, or your 15-year-old. No. <laughs> no. But I feel like, I, reading that article, I feel like if he had been addressing my situation, his solution would have been, 
to just constantly praise Jake when he wasn't hitting somebody else, yeah. oh which did not work. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we tried that. We tried focusing on the kid that he was hitting. None of that worked. He did not care. Yeah, that is his whole point, is that you're supposed, because parents react to the, don't say, look at the 10 times your kid behaved well, they only react to the 11th time they didn't, mm-hmm. you have to go back and find the moments they're behaving well. But it does feel silly to constantly praise your child yeah. for just acting like they're supposed to And act. you know what? I have a real hard time with that. And yeah. I really have been like, I've, I've been admonished to do that with one of them. And it's like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. No. And like, also, you should be doing that. Is uh, expectation like the expectation in our house is this? Expectation when you go right. to school is that? This is yeah. society. And also, during the ten times when they're being good, that's my time off. I don't want to spend that time looking at them and watching it and praising them. That's that's my On reward. Alert. Yeah. But I asked. I thought was really funny about that is then you can't win as a parent, right? Because then they're like, oh, if you're like that, then you're that weirdo parent where everyone gets a trophy for participation, right? And then we're that generation of parents also because why are you praising your kid all the time for mm-hmm. like brushing right. their teeth or making their bed? They're supposed to. But maybe when they're little, they just don't know that they're supposed to. Like I think it's different when your kid's 15. Because first of all, they're also doing other things when they're acting like that, right? They are pushing your buttons. They're seeing what the boundaries are. They're doing it in a space that they know is safe because they know you're not going anywhere. Um, (laughs) Maybe that's what you need to do is just get up and go somewhere. (laughs) Whereas when they're little, they really don't have impulse control. They really Mm -hmm. don't have – and teenagers don't necessarily either. but But they don't have the verbal skills. They don't have those things. And then they act out. And I think they also just they get tired they get hungry mm-hmm. they get you know and my kids will still get that like, my I was going to say that, that, doesn't, that doesn't go away right no. but you can sort of say to them like man eat a Snickers like that Snickers yeah. commercial is no joke that is like, no joke like, literally and I, I recognize it now that between the two uh, particularly with my daughter and I I was like okay we're going to eat we're not even going to address anything else until yeah. nope we're going to get some food into both of us and we're not going to have a conversation until yeah. then and I know that I did expect different things from them when they were in different situations. Like if I had kept them shopping for four hours, I expected different behavior than if we were at home and they were well breasted. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because they are kids. He does draw a distinction too in his piece between kids who are like having temper tantrums and kids who have serious psychiatric problems. Yeah. Like that. And I do think what happens sometimes is parents don't know which is which because I remember my pediatrician said to us, everything's a phase, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So like, cherish the good and just know you'll get through the bad and I think that's the problem too when you're a parent particularly a first time parent is it feels like this is going to happen forever Mm -hmm. and you are never going to come out of this and this is just your kid now (laughs) forever and if they're having tantrums or they're hitting it becomes very public Mm -hmm. so that's also the problem like it's one thing if it happens in your house and you're like you deal with it but when it is hitting kids in class or having these tantrums on the floor in the mall you, you feel so publicly on the spot you know and I think that's why parents react like that because then you just you don't know what to do and you're sort of embarrassed for yourself more than your kid yeah and for some reason the behaviors that I the things that I would do at home to discipline my children seemed so much more embarrassing in public Oh, yeah. So it was so much harder <laughs> to do them in public, even though that like I wasn't doing anything terrible, but I was just kind of treating them like, oh, this is how you're going to behave. OK, then I'm going to be a bitch. You know, like I, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I very much used um, game theory on my kids, like tit for tat. Like mm-hmm. if they treated me nicely, I treated them nicely and vice versa. And they got it very quickly that if they created a good environment, their life was awesome. Right. So mm-hmm. I have to read this one little part and then we'll wrap up about what he says about teens because I thought this was hilarious. 
Um, he, so he was talking about sort of gaming your kids in that way, but having them reenact their bad behavior, but with modification. So like, have a tantrum. We're just going to play a game where you have a tantrum, but you're not going to hit me this time. Can you do that? And the kid's like, yeah, I can do that. And then they keep like praising them for like, good, you could do it without hitting. Then you keep taking away behavior. So he said, let's say you have an adolescent daughter. And she says to you, mom, you're such a bitch. What have you ever done for me? You only think of yourself. So he said that makes parents wants to jump out their windows because the whole life has been devoted to their stupid child. <laughs> so how do we get rid of this teen attitude? We call it positive opposites. When you want to get rid of something, what is it you want in their place? Because be- getting rid of it is not going to do it. So with the teen example, what do you do? The teen may be at the dinner table and just being quiet and not saying negative things. Well, when you're starting out, one of the positive opposites can sometimes be reinforcing the non-occurrence of the behavior. Just and you say, Marion, it's nice having dinner with you. It's nice that you're here. What does that does is reinforce the likelihood that Marion will be at the dinner table and not say negative things. <laughs> and Marion might also say, can you pass the avocado and garbanzo stew, which I think is I the funniest thing. I am cracking up over here. And you say, of course. You don't have to be effusive. And like, you know, don't don't say, don't give me attitude for all I've done for you. All that shows is that it wants your kid to, you know, escape. But I'm like... If your kid is sitting there moping at the table and isn't just, it doesn't mean they're not being negative, but they're not sitting there like, woo, pass me their garbanzo stew. First of all, like, who says who has garbanzo stew at dinner? But anyway. um, I think if you point out anything at that point, you're going to get a surly look. Right. Or a huff and a puff or rolled, rolled eye. like eyes. You're going to get some eyes. reaction that's not going to be like, oh, thank you for noticing me. <laughs> like, right. No, I, and plus I'm way too sarcastic to do this because it, it would end up being, thank you so much for not calling me a bitch. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or you say, it's thank you so much. You know, it's so nice to have you at dinner. Oh, because I'm not at dinner every yeah. night? Yeah. Like, that's uh-huh. what you get back. That's what you get it's back. It's like exactly. if you say, you know, oh, you look so skinny. Oh, because I usually look fat. Thanks. That's what I'm like. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, no. I think I, I've had to just accept that there's going to be a stretch of time where sometimes yeah. literally breathing next to each other is going to cause her to go some negative reaction. Like, yeah. And, and then other times she's crawled up in my lap. So, like, yeah. it's just what you have to accept. And you reward those mm-hmm. times. You, you're happy for those times. And the other times you're like, you know what? I don't want to be around you right now. Yeah. And that's... Love you. Don't like you. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know psychologists who will say, yes, but you're pushing them at a, away at a time when they need... No, I'm sorry. If you're behaving like that, I don't want you in my sight. Come back when you want to be part of the family. And you know what? They always come back. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you have to treat them... You have to teach them that you cannot treat everyone any way you want. Right. Even your mother. Even your loved ones. Especially your loved ones. They're going to have relationships. And yeah. you cannot treat someone just because you think they're going to be around any way you want. Mm-hmm. And he does talk about this modeling of behavior and I do think for a girl it's good to know she shouldn't talk to her mother like that because no one yeah. should talk to her mother like that and then no one should talk to her like exactly. that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is important and I think even though you're caught up it's like a mother-daughter thing and certainly for a son like there is no No there's no that's there's not even a no. thing that can happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just not okay. And I think I've actually said that to my daughter sometimes and they rarely have said anything but I'm like I would never talk to you like that. And they're like, <gasps> and then they do have that moment mm-hmm. of like, oh my god, because they don't hear it, you know. Right. They're just, and or they're testing it out, or they've heard a friend say it, you know. And mm-hmm. then they're, I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't fly here. <laughs> you can nope. go over to her house then. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the article is in the Atlantic. It's called "No Spanking, No Time Out, No Problems" by Olga Kazan. Read it and then read all the reaction pieces. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll link to that Slate one too. I didn't read yeah. that. I want to read the Slate okay, one. Okay, so we'll link to both of them on our website and yeah. our Facebook page. Because, see, I went to this not having any opinion about it. And like three <laughs> paragraphs in, I was like, wow, this this is terrible. This is I call shenanigans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. 
Okay. We are Bites of the Week. Who's first? Um, I can go first. So have you guys heard of something called eBay sniping? Yes. You have? I okay. I never had. Uh, and I had pretty much given up on eBay auctions. I was really just buying things on eBay that were buy it now, um, where I didn't have to compete with other people because I was never winning. I would even sit there at the last minute and think that I had it, and I would lose out in the last second. And um, we were trying to buy a piccolo for Jake. Jake is going to bankrupt us with instruments. Oh so I'm trying to buy good ones used um, on eBay. And I had lost out a couple of auctions in the last seconds, and it was so frustrating. And thank goodness I mentioned it on Twitter because one of my Twitter followers clued me into eBay sniping. This is how I was losing. People were using automated programs to bid in like the last three seconds. And now I think that this is really crappy. I don't think that it's fair. But if somebody else is doing it, then I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> if, if anybody else is doing it, that's the only way that you can win. So I, I checked out a bunch of different sites, and I ended up using one called Gixen.com. It's G-I-X-E-N. Um, but there are a ton of them. I don't know if that's any better than any others. But I do know that it won us the piccolo. Um, you set your maximum bid. Um, you're not necessarily going to pay that. I actually got it for $100 less than my maximum bid. Nice. Um, it goes in, you can set it to like 15 seconds before the end up to, I think, one second before the end. And um, it automatically keeps bidding up in those last few seconds until it's over. So it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win. Somebody else could be sniping with a higher maximum bid than you. Somebody could get it in half a sec- second after you. But it really, really increases your odds. And um, there are free versions. There are paid versions. I think I paid $6 to access the the super version of this so that it would like do it from a mirror site also to just double the chances that my bid would get in in time. Um, but if we you really find wanted that piccolo, you really wanted the piccolo. And so if you find yourself losing eBay bids, you're going to have to be an eBay sniper. Sorry. That's Can't just the way just it is. you put in your maximum bid on eBay? No, because what happens is once you put in your maximum bid, it starts that escalation of everybody else who put oh, in their right. maximum bid. And then like you still lose. This because it hides that it, basically. It, this like it doesn't do it till the last second, so nobody has time to then up their maximum bid past mm, yours. Right. Yeah, no, the maximum bid is like the easiest way to pay more early. Right. Never put that in. No. Or go up by a penny. Yes. <laughs> well, you can't. Most of them they'll make you do it by a certain amount. Wow. Mm. All right, Abby. So tying into my whole college theme, there was a piece in the Well Family section of the Times last week, um, I guess it was last week, about three things school counselors want you to know about their jobs. Because mm. you always, like, you know, we mentioned, I still think of them as guidance counselors, but they have right. so much more um, training and expertise and, and purview than you really think of them ha- as having. And I had realized this sort of anecdotally with my son going through college, you know, they they are all around counselors now, not just, you know, whatever's going on in in home life, whatever's going on anywhere else. And um, they really look out for your kid more than you, their loyalty. It's like an an HR. HR is, you know, (laughs) for the company, not really for you. These counselors are for the kids, not about you, the parent, not Mm -hmm. about any of that. And I just think it's a really informative um, article. It talks to a couple, about three different uh, counselors and telling you parents, especially parents to new high school students, what you really need to understand about the school school counselors, and they don't want to be called count, guidance counselors, school counselor roles. So definitely check that oh, out. Excellent. I'm going to read cool. that. I like that idea. 
Um, although maybe I don't. Maybe they <laughs> feel like they should be there for me. <laughs> I wish th- they were sometimes. I definitely One of did. my daughter's high schools has a health and wellness center that mm-hmm. they just opened this year, which is they just realized they needed it on the campus, which is so nice. I'm so excited for that. Do they get into areas like sex? Yeah, I think sex and they um, and drugs and depression and anxiety and um, it's definitely medita- def- they have like a meditation room. And definitely necessary. I'm sure a little controversial for parents. Yeah, I'm sure. Although out in New York, it's a well. <laughs> my son's 14 and I can't access his records online anymore because he hasn't signed that stupid yeah, the proxy. form. Mm-hmm. Oh, my daughter signed it at 12. It starts at yeah. 12 in New York State, yep. which I understand, but it is really annoying when you need to get their online vaccination record. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I just need just the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I. Don't know. You guys probably saw the whole kerfuffle over uh, Guy Talese and his whole yes. like that he hasn't read any women ever. So I kind of hate these things when they do this. These like gotcha moments with these eighty-something-year-old figures because like yeah, no shit. Like mm-hmm. he didn't read women. You can read his work and know he has no respect for women and didn't care about what women writers were writing. Um, but the response was so great. So BuzzFeed put together this amazing list of 68 women that he should read nice. that are all these incredible nonfiction writers. And some are journalists, some have written books, some it's all different stuff. It is the best list. Um, and it's so comprehensive. It covers so many genres. It covers so many women of different ages, races, nationalities. I love it. I went on Amazon and I basically like stuck everything I hadn't <laughs> read in my cart. But there's also a lot of great stuff if you have a teen. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Um, so I started to do that and pull out stuff for their summer reading. My daughters are highly sensitive to like violence and whatever. So I not all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but none that had like really I don't know explicit discussions of rape and war rape and those things my daughter's not ready to read but um but there's a lot of incredible writing and I do think your teen girls and boys it's not too early to read feminist um writing even if it's a little dense and a little theoretical and a little it's such interesting writing that they're not exposed to at school so I highly recommend this list for yourself, mm-hmm. for your kids, well, for your teenagers, definitely not lower than teenager. And um, check it out and start building your summer reading list with I mean, women. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, it includes Roxanne Gay, so I'm always happy. Always happy. And um, there were some people probably not, it, but um, We Are All Feminists, which I had bought my daughters this year, um, is such a great little essay, too, that I think is now required reading in Sweden mm-hmm. for all, really? like, 14, 15 year olds, I think, 15 year olds. So I was like, eh, I bought it for my daughters. And it's a really short essay that's also really wonderful that is like a good intro to sort of feminist writing and essays that are not what people think. I don't know what people think when they think it because they normally don't, don't read it. But it's not like women's studies in this right. 50s. You know, it's not all Betty Friedan. Like, there's, a, all, there's like, a picture going around Facebook um, about how uh, – Basically, everybody should be a feminist. So, but it's gotten a bad rap. Like the word has gotten bad right. connotations. So you shouldn't call yourself a, fe- a feminist. People are just people, and anybody who isn't a feminist is just called a sexist. So there's just normal people and sexists. No more feminists. See, I don't have a problem with feminists. I'll also take like badass bitch. That's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with me. Um, yeah, but if, but if you ask a lot of women, are you a feminist? They'll say no because they they don't really That's understand what the word head. means yeah. and they think that it's a bad. Oh, it's a whole Nazi thing. It's a discussion yeah. about how whatever women turn on their own and turn against their best interests. But and not just true of women. It's true of people in all different yeah. mm-hmm. places and situations that 
don't vote and think in their own best interests. But anyway, that's a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> we should do that as a topic. Um, so thank you, Abby. It was so great to have you back in the studio. Thank you for having me. We'll definitely figure out a TV-centric. Uh, yes. <laughs> maybe we'll do a whole episode about um, maybe for fall TV oh, when all the awesome. new stuff comes out. I want to sit around and talk just about um, – Sleepy Hollow right now, so yeah. Oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> the ideas we have to put out there. Um, and thank you, Amy, as always. You're welcome. It was nice to be back in the studio this week, even though it's cold and rainy and gross in New York, and it was beautiful in Miami last week. Um, and Andrea, wherever you are, we're thinking about you. We miss you. Home. Um, and that's it. So you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash parentingbites. Of course, our website, parentingbites.com, mm-hmm. built on Weebly. Um, and subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. It's how we move up in the elusive algorithm, uh, Parenting Bites, and on Play.it, where you can find Parenting Bites and all the CBS podcasts. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.